Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode here on the Green Living Chat Podcast. My name is David Ewusi Meza and I'm your host here on this podcast. If you have been on Earth for the last couple of years, then you should have heard about circular economy. So today, my guest, Ella Everett, is joining me to talk about finding the link between circular economy and social impact. Now, over the past few years, I've been speaking to different guests from time to time every week on the show. Ella Everett's passion is exceptional. She's currently a PhD researcher focused on integrating social impact into circular economy using permaculture. She works as a business consultant using permaculture to develop sustainability and management strategies. She has co-founded a social impact company which uses tech and design to accelerate the SDGs and is currently building a startup for sharing practical and sustainable solutions. She frequently runs workshops and talks on sustainability development and innovations and has spoken at numerous conferences. So today, Ella joins me on the podcast, as we mentioned earlier, to find a link between sustainability and social impact. After getting to know a little bit about Ella and where all this passion came from, we dived into the thin line between circular economy and social impact and why it's essential to bring these two together. She also told us the fundamentals of permaculture, its values, and how it is connected to social life. We also dived into a PhD research, a very interesting project you don't want to miss in this discussion. And I just can't wait to share this with you. So I'm not going to waste too much of your time. Let's dive into the conversation. See you on the other side. This is the Green Living Chat Podcast. Here, we define sustainability, educate and discuss feasible solutions to achieve a regenerative ecosystem. In a world where sustainability has become a cliche and misused in practice, we bring you inspiring stories from the industry, research and development, and all stakeholders in between. And together, we can promote the sustainability agenda across the globe. This podcast is proudly produced and sponsored by our team at Echo Amid Solutions in Ghana. We come your way with new episodes this and every Sunday at 6pm GMT. So dear Green Chatters, let's get started. Hi Ella, thank you so much for joining me today on the Green Living Chat podcast. I'm super excited about what we're going to discuss. So yeah, what a good way to start the day. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, I saw your post earlier, I think last week or so. You're super immersed in the circular economy space, but there's something that you're doing personally. And I think it's a challenge that no one asked you to do. You just wanted to do it on your own. Could you tell us a little bit about this? Because I'm interested to start the podcast this way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. It was about two years ago. um, I was, and this is when I was really, really kind of focusing myself towards sustainability, social impact. And it was, but to the point that I was like, I can't do anything else. You know, there is nothing else that I, I can do in the world. It has to be something to do with sustainability and social impact. And I kind of started looking into my personal impact. You know, what is my environmental footprint? 
Um, what is the damage that I'm creating? Um, and I took a, uh, it was like a quiz or something. And it told me how many worlds that I am using up, you know, if everyone lived like me. And it was something like two point something planets. And I was like, okay, I like to think that I'm quite a conscious individual. You know, I don't <laughs> eat meat. I'm like vegetarian. I um, walk everywhere. I don't have a car. So I was like, I use renewable energy. So I was like, I like to think I'm quite sustainable. And I did this and I was like, right, okay, I've got a lot to do. So um, I set myself three challenges. And the first one was to buy no fast fashion, you know, to kind of go away from that. And since then, every all of my clothes are kind of, well, from charity shops, from friends. I have some very nice friends that give me their clothes or from kind of an ethical shop, you know. So that was one of my challenges, but actually it was very, very easy. My second one was, was towards food. You know, my dad is an organic farmer and he's been saying all the time, you know, he was like, we need to move towards organic food. So I thought, okay, right, my second challenge is just buying organic local food, at least as much as I can. Yeah. You know, when I'm out, it's a little bit difficult, but at least all the food I buy in organic and, and local. And then the third one was I want to stop flying in Europe. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, from what I do, from my passions, my interests, you know, it takes me all around the world. You know, I've been in South America, I've been in, in Africa, in Asia, and I love it so much. But I just thought if I'm talking about sustainability, I don't feel right flying everywhere. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit, you know, and at least while I'm in Europe, it's quite easy to be able to get the train everywhere. Um, obviously, COVID happened and things were a yes. bit more difficult, but but yeah, this summer I've thought, right, okay, I'm gonna, I have no more excuses. I just, I have to do it. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, and I love it. You know, I've, I came from, from the UK to Barcelona. I've been down, down Spain. I'm going to Austria next week on the train wow. and I love it. You know, it's, it's quite a lot. I mean, it's a long time, you of know, course, for, especially yeah. from Spain to Austria, but it gives me time to do work. It's not wasted time, you know, which I find it is on on the plane so yeah so yeah and that, now I'm looking okay what's next well what's my next kind of challenge to, <laughs> to to bring into my life um so yeah we'll we'll see <laughs> yeah I I wish you the best on on this journey and I think it's really an encouragement <laughs> for lots of us I mean in this space to also challenge ourselves with certain things that we do daily but you know I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been having lots of conversations around this that I mean, um, I take a very typical example, like the shops. So I decide to take um, a reusable bag probably throughout the month. Every month, I, I every day I go there with that. But then we look at, let's say the supermarket has about 30 packs. If I don't take it, someone will take it, right? And at the end, the 30 packs are going to get finished. Sometimes I think about it and be like, does individual challenge or these kind of things that we decide to do individually, does it really have an impact? I mean, I know that collectively, if we do that, it becomes an impact, but we are at the stage where we are all not on the same pages. People do things for different reasons. There is actually greenwashing for say, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, does it really have an impact? I just want us to have a conversation about this. And I think it's quite essential. I think it's a very, very good point you have. And um. I would say I would say yes and no. Um, you know, obviously, each if one person is is making small changes themselves, no, I don't think it's going to make an impact. But um, I would also say yes because I think one person will do something, and then this, you know, if they're quite vocal about it, if they talk about it, if they tell yes. their friends, then it does have a knock-on effect. I think, and it just at least with my aim of doing it is to kind of show people that it's possible. 
-hmm. You know, like I am very privileged. I have a very good life. I have lots of fun um, and I can still do it, you know? So it's not about kind of sacrificing the life that you want. It's just doing it in a slightly different way. So this is my kind of aim with it. But I also think it has to come both ways, you know? So it has to be from top down and bottom up because of course, yeah, like companies, governments, they're the ones that can make the real change. But if there's not the demand from consumers, you know, from us, then they're not going to change at all. So, you know, people are not going to stop buying oil or or using fossil fuels when um, or they're not going to stop selling it when people still use it. And there's such a big demand from it. I think it's both, you know, it's kind of trying to take conscious decisions ourselves. But of course, you know, individuals, we can't we can't change the world ourselves. It has to be it has to be a collective thing, I think, across like all of the different levels. Yeah, totally Um, agree with you. Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally agree with you. And I think we've gone way ahead of ourselves. Someone might be wondering, how did you get to this stage? (laughs) Because I mean, who just gets up and wants to challenge herself about things that happen? (laughs) Are there things in your childhood that you can sort of trace to what, you know, um, you're doing right now? You have a strong passion for circular economy. Anyone who has been following your journey and sure, anyone who listened to the introduction of this podcast should be in and that, I mean, what happened? You mentioned that your dad is in this space of um, um, local farming and what are some of the things that you can trace from your childhood that has brought you to this level? Why are you so cautious about protecting the environment? I mean, after all, we all live here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I would give all the credit to my parents completely. You know, as I said, my dad, well, my dad is um, an organic farmer. He's a permaculture teacher. He's kind of been teaching permaculture for like 40 years. Mm. Um, and I I was brought up on an organic permaculture farm, you know, so... It was kind of, I suppose, like in my veins when I was born. It was just part of what I was used to. I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I think I thought it was kind of normal almost because I was like, well, this is my upbringing. I presumed everyone was the same. So my parents have always been very, very well, socially and environmentally conscious. So I've always thought I kind of take the social impact side from my mum, who's kind of a human rights activist. She's been doing this kind of her whole life um and then my dad from the sustainability side mm-hmm. um so I think I'm kind of I'm like a mini wow. version of both of them yeah um so very much you know from my whole upbringing I was just taught to be I suppose compassionate um and to think about other well other people but also the planet so to just think about actually what we're doing you know what is the damage that we're causing but although that was kind of part of my upbringing it wasn't until quite a lot later I suppose in my early 20s that it actually kind of clicked and I was like okay I get it now before it was just kind of what my lifestyle was like you know but I didn't think about it I didn't think okay this is um you know this is good for the environment or not I just I hadn't taken it on by that point you know pretty interesting really (laughs) yeah very very interesting I mean you're very very privileged one to have friends who can actually cope with, you know, your challenges and moreover yeah. to have these special parents, daddy and mommy, shout outs to you. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for such an impact you've had. But then you made mention that, I mean, until your twenties, early twenties, that's when you started clicking, this thing started clicking because I can see your background. You studied um, psychology and now you mm-hmm. find yourself in innovations in circular economy and social impact. But then now that you're a specialist in this, uh, can I ask you, what is that thin line between circular economy and social impact? I see that you're very passionate about this and 
I'm wondering how you bring this to sort of um, um, a synergy. So yeah, I mean, I was introduced to the circular economy probably about five years ago or something like this. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, it was the kind of the first, it was after permaculture, but it was one of the concepts that I learned. And I was like, it just makes so much sense. It's common sense to me. (laughs) Um, And I was like, why does everyone not do this? You know, why is it not a common thing in our society to reuse things, you know, to fix things? Yep. It was like, it didn't, it doesn't make sense to me. So, so I was working a lot in, in circular economy, um, kind of did, I did a course on the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Then I did a, a postgraduate um, certificate on circular economy and innovation. And, um, you know, I, I still thought, okay, this is a really, really cool concept. I yeah. love the idea. And especially I love the momentum. It's almost a, one of the first kind of sustainability concepts that's actually been adopted by companies and by governments. You know, people listen to it and it seems to have quite a lot of respect, which with permaculture, it's not quite the same case. You know, people don't take it as seriously. But at the same time, you know, my so to go back to the, I studied psychology and when I, I did a lot of work on sustainable development. So looking at mental health, um, I was a mental health support worker for a while. Mm. I was working in Sri Lanka um, in, in a mental health well, wow. placement in a mental health hospital. So when I was doing my work with circular economy, I thought, okay, this is really nice, but it completely skips out the social side. If we're looking at recycling, you know, which is the very, very minimal thing to do, it's like, okay, we're looking at that, but actually there are quite a lot of social things that come from that, both positive and negative, you know, so it can be quite dangerous for people. And it's especially in countries that are dealing, having to dealing with all of this recycling, you know, there's loads of um, illnesses that comes from it, from all of this kind of waste and chemicals and toxins and stuff like that but it's also quite dangerous everything that I'm looking at is always goes hand in hand I suppose it was kind of a natural progression for me um, starting with the psychology looking at social impact and then just realizing actually they go hand in hand Um, you know we can't look at one thing without the other it's very interesting because I know that social environmental sociology is very important but then you come in from psychology and, you know, bringing these issues about mental health and, you know, how how could such people or how could such community even involve themselves in the secular economy? And it's not just the physical things, but actually things that are also internal, because if someone is not in the right state of mind, I mean, doesn't care about you know what you're talking about recycling or upcycling or anything like that but i will get back into this conversation again but i want to briefly um touch something that you mentioned earlier about you know working in so many different areas and i think we are super privileged to have you here because such an experience is good to let us know some of the trends that we are seeing in different places. You've worked in Africa, South America, you're in Europe. I mean, several different countries and different cultures. Are there, I don't want to limit you, but then are there trends of circular economy challenges that you're seeing in these areas? What are some of the prominent things that you can see that, okay, I was in South America and that clicks with something I saw in Africa. That clicks with something I've seen in Europe. Are there any trends that you can pull off? Um, I mean, I think one of the main things is that obviously the more marginalized a society is, the less connect there is with the environment, you know, in, in quite a lot of places. So, for example, in um, when I was in South America, in different parts, in places where people are trying to survive, mm-hmm. you know, that that's 
what their focus is trying to survive. Their their priority is not to go and recycle that plastic bag, or it's not to go and buy something that's that's um, has less plastic because exactly. they're trying to survive. You know, they're trying to provide for their for their families. That's not even something that that we can you know comprehend, um, and we can't. So well. I think it's it's really really important to look at it from from this, where actually we can't judge other communities and other countries and other places and say okay well you need to do this and this and this when actually these these people are trying to survive um and unless we're in that position we can't understand what it what it would be like you know if someone's in a country that you know is being bombed they're not going to think all right i need to go and take the recycling out this morning. <laughs> exactly. do you know what i mean they're going to think right okay how can i survive I mean, this is really something that's that's come out to me. And I think this is why it's so important to bring the social side and the environmental side, because it's about understanding different situations and saying, okay, what is the situation here? What is the what is the priority for these people? And how can we how can we support this? You know, so um the way I see it is that whilst there's social inequality in the world and while there's people suffering and there's people with you know dying of hunger, um, they, we can't we can't save the planet because because we can't change the mindset you know what i mean because people are trying to survive it has to go hand in hand it's it's very thoughtful honestly um i mean i know that this is included in the sdgs and but of course obviously we haven't done enough in that approach i mean we treat everyone as if we are all on the same economic standards and i mean example in the last year's um cop 27 it was said that i mean africa should stop emissions and you know um all those things that were made. And, and I saw a lot of African leaders going on that stage to say no to this because it's time for them to also, you know, um, develop and, and other things. I mean, of course, I have my own concerns about this. But um, if you come from the point where you are speaking, I know obviously that it means that we haven't done enough about this, really considering different people's situations look at the war that is happening in ukraine now look at you know floods and i mean crazy things that are happening all over the world but at the same time the cop is coming and we are like well we have to approach the 1.5 but look europe is like crazily heating up right now the us is also happening there are crazy things that are happening in other continents as well so how do we still achieve these goals i mean worldwide global goals and still be able to sort of cater for people because now we know adaptation and mitigation, fine. Um, I saw a, po- um, a picture recently, just this morning, about, you know, um, circular economy, there was a tub, a bad tub, and then we have circular economy um, flowing into it as water, and there is another innovation flowing to it. And then the tap down there just to make, you know, the water flow so that more water can get into it was closed, and that's action. Right. And so now <laughs> yeah. the water at the top is just overflowing. It brings back to this analogy. What what can we do? What should we prioritize now? Because from what you're saying, it means there's a lot that we have to really do and and consider because it seems not everyone is the same. I mean, I completely agree. And this was one thing as well with COP that I was like, okay, you know, with the coal agreement and and I think it was India and um, I can't remember, there was another country that pulled out as well. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of people criticising this. Um, and of course, it was a disappointment. But, you know, it's because their focus was on, OK, we actually need to to look after our, the development of our people. 
you know, and the society. So, you know, I, I also get that. The issue, and this is a slight issue that I have with the sustainable development goals, is it separates everything. You know, so it looks at, okay, this is about this is about no poverty, this is about no hunger, this is about infrastructure, but actually it's all about it together and everything links to everything else. So we I think I think the main thing that we have to do is look at it holistically and look at it at different alternatives. And, you know, there is an option that is a win-win-win for everything. And this is what we need to go for. So we need to go for solutions that are a win for the environment, a win for society and a win for economics as well. You know, because at the end of the day, if we're not financially secure, at least with kind of businesses and, you know, if individuals, again, if they don't have money to eat then you can't be sustainable because you can't keep going. You're just trying to survive. So I think it's really looking for this. You know, it's looking for win-win-win solutions. How we do this exactly um, (laughs) is a challenge. But this is what I'm really trying to do with permaculture. I'm trying to use this as a concept to kind of try and prove that this is possible. I'm a big fan of, um, I mean, I speak about him all the time. I'm <laughs> such a fan. But so Rob Hopkins, and he's the he's the founder of the transition movement. He was actually a student of my dad's um, as well, which is very exciting. Wow, daddy keeps he popping wrote, up. <laughs> <laughs> he's my hero. So he wrote a book called From What Is to What If, and it blew my mind um, because he talks about um, the power of imagination and he talks about how we, we can't create something that we can't imagine. So if we can't imagine a better future, if we can't imagine a future where actually there is global equality, you know, everyone is living happily together in harmony with the environment. If we can't imagine that, how are we going to ever going to create it? I think it's almost about showing little pockets of where this really works and then saying, okay, how can we, how can we translate this to, a, to another situation, another country, whatever. So, you know, like with what Costa Rica are doing, you know, what they've been doing environmentally is incredible. You know, I don't know so much about the country, but I just, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of things. I've heard that they've adopted the donor economics, you know, and it's like, if we can really show that there's a positive outcome to this for both the environment and both society and show, okay, this works, then how can we translate it to another, another company, another country, you know, then I think this is, this is the outcome. I think it's showing, it's trying to show people the positive outcome. Because I think people are terrified and people shut off because it's too difficult. You know, if we think, right, we have to save the world. We have to save the people. We have to save everything. How on earth do we do that? You know, it's too, it's too big. But if we just think of the positive things and we think, okay, this has a really positive impact. Let's try that. You know, because thinking about all the negative side, I think it's very important to know it, but it doesn't motivate people so quite so much. I think it almost makes people shut down sometimes and think, yeah. right, it's too much to deal with. You mm-hmm. know, this book does it in a really positive way. And he talks about the madness of the world but in such a way that you feel really positive and you're like, oh, right you know, we can do things and change is possible. And it's, um, it's really inspiring. It's one of the books that you read, which is about all the madness, but you kind of come away from it smiling and think, right, okay, <laughs> let's do this. So. That's right. Yeah, we definitely have to link this book and I need to get this book as well and uh, dive into it. But you make a very, very important point. And I think it goes back into um, what we were saying earlier about, you know, how you're challenging yourself and how important is an individual's action? And you made mention about that with a follow-up question that, of course, I mean, it's a yes and no about the impact that um, an individual person could make, but it involves everyone. But 
how do we get to involve everyone? We have to tackle the issue from everyone's perspective. Someone is maybe very sensitive to economics. Someone is as sensitive to just surviving, right? How can we get that person's attention, you know? And um, the local people, farmers, and people who are dependent on climates to actually live. And how do we get these people? Then the very developed areas where, you know, everything is fine. They have all the resilience and they have all their infrastructures and everything. How do we get their attention as well? Because, of course, they also depend on the food from the local regions. So you make a very, very exciting um, um, uh, thing. I want to dive briefly into permaculture because you've said several things. You've mentioned this several <laughs> times. And let's give a little people some context and then super excited to dive into the solution you're bringing using your PhD research. <laughs> and so can you tell us a little bit about what permaculture is? And yeah, let's dive into your research. Sure. So, I mean, permaculture, there's not really one definition, to be honest, because permaculture is however anyone takes it, but it comes from permanent agriculture or permanent culture. It's from um, Australia and it's quite inspired by um, Aboriginal practices and stuff like this. I started to look at, okay, how do we deal with the society that's creating such a damaging effect on the environment? And how can we change that to work alongside the environment, but also um, work for, for the benefit of society? You know, so it's very focused, or at least it was at the beginning, very focused on regenerative agriculture. So looking at okay, how do we create a farm that works with nature? So it's looking at the different energies that are coming in. So the wind, the sun, um, the shade, you know, where do we plant trees? Where do we plant crops so that they thrive? You know, where, where's the best um, kind of place for them? So it's all about quite intelligent design and design focused on nature. Yeah, my dad is a permaculture teacher and I was always like, I'm not interested. I don't <laughs> want to work in agriculture. <laughs> So it's not relevant to me. And then when I was in my early 20s, he said to me, you're doing a permaculture course with me. He was like, I, I don't care what you say. He was like, you, you're doing it. And it kind of changed my life um, because it made me realize that actually it's not about agriculture at all. Um, it's about being conscious about what you're doing. You know, it's so it's built up of three ethics, which are um, people care, earth care and fair shares. And fair shares is kind of distributing surplus. You know, so basically, if you have loads and loads of things, food, um, energy, electricity, whatever, it's about sharing this, you know, so that you have enough and you're helping everyone else have enough. Um, so these are the ethics. And then there's um, a load of principles. Um, I focus on 12 principles, um, but there are also kind of actually three different sets of, of principles. And this is where the kind of innovation comes then. Um, and when you actually look at, you know, one of them would be um, kind of use small and slow solutions. So if you actually look at that principle, it doesn't have anything to do with agriculture specifically. It can be related to everything. So if you're a business and you're growing and you grow too quickly as a startup, you're going to fail because you don't have the time to get in to get ready the infrastructure to get ready the employees you know for this launch you so you have to take it a step by step you know to get to get everything kind of ready anything that kind of has this continual exponential growth um too quickly is going to fail at some point because it doesn't it can't it's not supported by what's around it so you know even adopting this principle to the business um or to any situation you know it's about taking a small step 
um, and then getting that right before moving on. So um, anyway, there's loads of principles that um, I really realized actually these are relevant to anything that you do. You know, it can be your own personal life. It can be your business. It can be um, anything. Um, but what I really took from permaculture um, was, I suppose, the values, you know, so looking at the ethics um, and being conscious. And it was because of that that led me on to making these kind of challenges that I made for myself, you know, that we were talking about, about the no flying and, and clothes and food. It was that because it just I find it really installs this conscious mindset into you and it makes you just think about things so when I first did it it was like I would go into a shop before I wouldn't think about anything I'd think okay I want those crisps I'll buy a bag of six a six pack of crisps you know and it was just after that I thought okay but that six bag of crisps has an extra six times the amount of packaging so why don't I just buy one big bag of crisps exactly you know, and it's like such a simple thing, but it just made me kind of question everything and just question, OK, well, what is that that action that I'm doing? What is the impact of that? You know, how can I do it a little bit differently? So basically, this is what permaculture is to me. It's yeah. about being conscious about about things and thinking, how can we live in a way that is um, harmonious with our society, you know, with the people that we look after each other, that we're compassionate, but also we're respecting nature at the same time. And, you know, the idea is to thrive alongside nature, I suppose. So no one definition at all, just a very, very long answer there. Hi there, just a quick one. If you find our conversations worth listening, why don't you share them with your friends and connections? Please help us reach more and new listeners by leaving a review, commenting, or rating us on any platform where you get your podcast. We can't wait to hear your thoughts and ideas, so share them with us via a social media platform or email. Find more details in the show notes. Now let's get back into today's conversation. I like it. I mean, maybe this is something you might not know, but you're really, really communicating because um, a lot of people of different backgrounds are listening to this. And for me, this is also new to me. And I can totally understand what you're saying because you're using very basic examples and very simple words that are very, very relatable. And whilst you are speaking, I mean, things that are coming to mind is that, I mean, I think we have a lot of work to do to understand how nature works. Because if you see, this is sort of related to nature-based solutions and a lot of things that are popping up because we sort of have to understand more how the nature works so that we can also relate with it and make things very easy and and it will, it will flow naturally, right? And I think I love what um, Mossy Eth is doing. I don't know if you know about them, but this is like a group of scientists um, with different backgrounds who are trying to, you know, use these kind of natural things. And I'm sure they are into permaculture as well. But I I am I'm, I'm interested to see how um, we can dive into this conversation with what you're doing with your PhD. So, interestingly, <laughs> your PhD. <laughs> Interesting, your PhD is about integrating social value into the heart of secular economy. Who chooses such a topic? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, want us to... To, <laughs> I want us to go through the journey. 
why did you decide to do that? I think we've got a glimpse of it from the previous conversation, you know, why you wanted to bring the social impact into um, circular economy. Mm-hmm. But then to go to the extent of doing a whole PhD that is a sacrifice mm-hmm. on its own, of course. And what what inspired this journey? And let us know a little bit more about what is going to be in details. And I'll be excited to ask more questions. <laughs> Sure. So, um, I mean, very good question. But basically, before I even thought about doing a PhD, I was looking a lot because my two focuses had been on permaculture and um, circular economy, also a little bit on donor economics and on biomimicry, just because I think they're all wonderful. And I spent quite a lot of time kind of trying to map them all together. And just because I, and I was thinking that, you know, each one of them ha- brings amazing things, but it also is limited to some extent. You know, permaculture is limited in its kind of economical side and it's not often linked to businesses. Um, and I was looking at it from a business perspective and then circular economy was missing the social side. Um, and I was thinking, well, what if we put these together? You know, what, what would be the outcome? Can we, can we kind of combine them to make a kind of economic model that's a bit more holistic? Yeah. Um, so I started kind of mapping this out, looking into it, and then and then I thought, right, why don't I do a PhD? Why don't I really look into this? Because <laughs> there's not all that much information, and yeah. and I was so passionate about it. And then I was like, right, why not? And then actually, just by sheer luck, the first day it was a bit wild actually. The first day that I was really started to look for PhDs, and and I found the one that was titled this. And it was titled Integrating Social Value into the Heart of the Circular Economy. No and I was way. Like, wow. No way. <laughs> I was like, this is made for me. And um, and I applied for it. And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, it's quite a long process, obviously. Um, and it was the only one that I applied to. Um, and I just thought, I saw it and I was like, this has been written for me. You know, this title is just, it, it couldn't be better. And then just by chance, I got it. Yeah. And at the beginning, actually, I was thinking about bringing permaculture together with a circular economy and with the donor economics but actually I thought maybe it's slightly too much for a PhD so um <laughs> let's kind of narrow maybe it down you might a bit. need to <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I think with the donor economics as well they're they're now going a little bit more towards business so I thought yeah. okay um maybe I can't add so much value to that so let's stick to stick to the circular economy and and permaculture and basically what my aim is what if I can do this in businesses um, and obviously circular economy companies, they're already quite conscious because they're, you know, they're focused on the environment. That's why they're doing it, especially kind of, yeah. I'd call it like native circular economy companies, yeah. you know, that yeah. have started off like that. So they have these values, but they're often not fully holistic because they focus on the, the sustainability side. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes they don't want to be, you know, because they think, no, we focus on the environment. Yeah. Other companies focus on the social side. Mm-hmm. But But I thought, okay, what if permaculture would have such an impact on leaders um, and on businesses as it did on me. So really what my aim is, is to implement permaculture into companies um, and do a short kind of permaculture introduction, I suppose. So talk to Mm -hmm. companies, get them to try and understand, okay, how can we apply the ethics in a business context? How can we apply the the principles? How can we apply the design methods? And get companies as well to to create a holistic vision of their company. So to think, okay, what do they want to achieve? Where do they want to be in the next 
10, 15, 50 years, you know, and I've taken this again a, a bit from Rob Hopkins exactly. from the what is to what if, mm-hmm. um, to try and get this holistic future vision and also look a little bit about the challenges of a business and say, okay, what are their struggles at the moment? You know, either inter- internally, externally, with the supply chain, with customers, you know, socially, environmentally, anything. And then my idea is to do a, um, a permaculture, well, work with a company and actually do a permaculture design of their company and see how that can, see basically see what happens, you know. Yeah. Is, does, do they learn anything from it? Do they enjoy it? Does it um, have a positive effect um, or does it do nothing? You know, so this is kind of my aim wow. is to kind of, yeah. <laughs> you I need mean, a whole team. My- <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited um, because my aim is to really prove that permaculture can be applied to any situation. And it's really all it is, is about thinking differently and about taking time to, I suppose, be a bit more reflexive um, and reflect on on what you're doing and the impact, because we don't stop in our society. You know, we we never pause. We never pause to think about what we're doing. and And my aim is to say, okay, can permaculture do that? And what is the impact? You know, my aim, my ideal would be if actually it improves the company's sustainable development in all ways. So environmentally, socially, economically. And then I can really, I suppose, prove that, or at least, you know, show that in this instance, then permaculture can support um, the can support this. And I've chosen circular economy companies specifically because well, like I said, they're already quite conscious. So they're companies that hopefully are interested in, in making an impact, but also um, also because of this lack of social impact, you know, that, that's there. And the circular economy is getting quite a lot of criticism. Um, I don't see it as a criticism, to be honest, of the circular economy, I, <laughs> yes. because I think the circular economy, what it does is amazing. I just think it's not fully holistic you know that's all so yeah we'll see what happens (laughs) i'm excited to this journey and i'm definitely going to follow up like you know be (laughs) peeping here and there just to see updates and looking forward really to publications and things that reports that you'll be sending out of this but i'm sure these things might not be something that you have thought of yet of course this is still at the initial stage but i just want to ask just two quick quick questions and uh, just to understand how the process is going to go. So you made mention a lot about industries and businesses and people who are already in the circular economy space. But then uh, what kind of, you know, sectors are you looking at? Um, when we say businesses, there are lots of businesses. So have you actually shortlisted, you know, some industries that you're trying to, you know, pursue to bring a little bit of diversity and what kind of skills are you looking at bigger ones or smaller ones or people that are kind enough to accept your, you know, um, invitations? <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah, basically people that just want want to want to work with me. Um, so to be honest, I've kept it very, very broad. Um, and the reason for that is probably going to be a w- massive challenge when it comes to actually looking at my data um, and trying to work out what it all means. But I wanted to keep it very broad exactly for that, you know, to see my hope is to work with quite a few companies and then look at it across it, you know, so rather than just sticking with one um, industry or with one size, I actually want to say, okay, what is the impact across small companies, big companies, um, 
circular economy fashion companies, food companies, my idea is to see, okay, is it permaculture that's creating an impact or is it the company that's already creating an impact? And my hope by looking at loads of different companies is to um, kind of be able to see that, you know, to see if there is a comparable impact across all of them. But to be honest, it's really whoever wants to work with me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, companies that, that are keen to, I suppose, are very open-minded to seeing what happens and yeah. are quite interested to improve their, their social impact. So, yeah, I've had a couple of companies interested. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I would really encourage people, I mean, whoever is listening to this conversation and you think that you'll be happy to, you know, work with Ella, please dive into the show notes and get her contact details. Just get, she's a very nice person and she's going to make it <laughs> really, really easy for you. And I think this is actually something good for you to do something that you have actually not thought of and it could improve your business. I mean, you don't lose in any way. So help mm-hmm. Ella to make this research as rich as possible. Um, you have a very great ambition. I mean, this honestly, I don't know, for a PhD degree is so huge and you need a team. <laughs> you need literally a village to do this. It's a big ambition, but I want to know um, what is ahead of you? I mean, with all these um, expected results and expected outcome, which is very huge, a very big impact. Um, what's what's next? You made mention in our earlier conversation, you want to start, you know, uh, bringing this more from the academia level into the industry. I mean, into uh, the other side. What's 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 next after this? Um, so, I mean, in terms of my PhD, my aim is to, I suppose, change the reputation that permaculture has. I really want to be able to show that companies can be sustainable, can be social, and can still be, you know, get a revenue and still have yeah. profit, you know. I don't think that's the focus. Um, and me personally, I have never been interested in money. It just does not excite me in any way at all. But I understand that it's important. You know, yeah. in a company, if it doesn't make a profit, it's not going it, to, it, you know, in order to create an impact, you need to be able to make profit because otherwise exactly. you can't, you know, you, you can't do your work. So so my aim is to kind of show, okay, how can, is, is to kind of show that a company can be all of those, you know, and it, they don't have to miss out on one part of it. So that is what I'm trying to do with my PhD. Um, but something that I'm doing kind of alongside, and I find it it's quite complementary. We're well, we me and my co-founder, we're setting up a a platform. The idea is to set up a platform which is for um, the sharing of sustainable solutions, so practical solutions. You know, so and, and again, this comes from permaculture. I love that practical um, is, solutions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because and as I was saying before, you know, people are, are fed up of of hearing bad news and not knowing what to do. And people are like, okay, well, we know that the world is in chaos, but what can we do? So our aim is to give people practical tools to actually be able to do that. Um, and like when I was I was working in Malawi um, a long time ago, and I was working with the in a in an orphanage, and we were working with the foster mothers and stuff like this. And I thought, you know what, I'm not creating any positive impact to this community at all because I'm going there, I'm playing with the children, I'm helping feed them, and then I'm going to leave. You know, and it's it's someone else that's left them in their life. You know, they probably lost their parents, lost their families, so. Um, and this was again through my dad. He taught me how to make a solar cooker, which came from permaculture. Wow. And yeah, and I thought, well, what if I can teach 
the foster mothers how to make a solar cooker. Yes. Because um, because they were they were using all of their all of their money to build um, to buy fuel um, yeah. to cook for their families. Um, and it all came from forests. So there was, they were telling me about deforestation in their area, which would lead to flooding, which would destroy their houses. Um, so it was, again, this, this is kind of what made me think about the environmental social, you know, they are so deeply connected. Um, so, we, so I taught them how to make solar cookers um, that then they could take back to their, to their yeah. villages, to their communities to kind of teach them how to do this. So I was speaking to my co-founder kind of, well, last year, and I thought we were, we were talking about how there's solutions to everything, mm -hmm. you know, well, maybe not everything, but to the majority of problems in the world, there are practical solutions, you know, yeah. about renewable energy, about food waste, about everything, but they're not shared, you know, they're not accessible to, mm -hmm. to people around the world. So it might be that someone has a solution in South America, in Chile. Um, and someone in Sri Lanka may be able to benefit from this solution, but they're not connected. So yeah. our idea is to do this, is to create a platform to connect the creators of these solutions to the people that need them most. You know, and this either being um, kind of villages, communities, you know, like the ones that I was working with in, in Malawi, or people like us that, that you know, I live in, um, in Europe and I want to make my life a little bit but more sustainable what can I practically do you know and then almost to the levels of governments as well well governments and companies that are looking for maybe bigger solutions that say okay we want to make um we are creating cars we want to know how to make it more sustainable you know and actually having practical solutions for that yeah so this is what what I'm doing kind of alongside um so they're both very much come from the same place um mm -hmm. but it, I suppose it brings together the more the business side and the academic side because I don't yeah. yeah and trying to say right what can we practically do you know that's my aim I'm kind of a bit fed up of of hearing what we need to do yeah. but I'm just like well let's do it like it really um I would definitely love to work with this team it's really exciting <laughs> what you're doing and I, I I definitely I don't know but I mean you have a lot in up there in your brain and to, to, <laughs> to really share Whilst you do this, honestly, I, I told one of my guests um, the other day uh, <laughs> that he definitely has to write a book. And I think you are on that path as well. You definitely have to pour <laughs> all these experience or push your dad and be a co-author with him. Really, you definitely have to do that. It's really exciting. <laughs> and I think there's a good note to end this conversation because you've talked about things um, that um, you're doing with your PhD. We talked about just the challenges that we've seen in this industry and as well as things that you're doing alongside um, your academic life. And I think it's really, really exciting. I want to end it this way that I wanted to ask you about something about sustainability, but I hope that even as we talk about these things, people who are interested should definitely get in touch with you because I think your ambition is really exciting and I really, really like to follow this journey. Uh, but whilst you mentioned something about practical, you know, things that we can do, circular economy has become um, something that we say all the time. And you made mention about, you know, different people do not give it attention for different reasons. So if you have one minute and you've been given a very important stage to say to someone <laughs> <laughs> what they should do, considering the fact that different people are listening with different backgrounds, different situations, different stuff. I know this is a very difficult um, question, but um, could you 
advise someone what the person should do in contribution to circular economy, not thinking of how it will benefit just the environment, but then mm-hmm. himself or herself? Um, I would say the main thing is just asking questions to yourself, you know, being conscious about everything that you do. And, you know, I've, I, in fact, I had a friend once that said to me, he was like, Ella, what do I do? I've, I've watched a documentary on David Attenborough. I want to become <laughs> sustainable. What do I do? And I was like, I'm sorry, I do not have one answer. There is, you know, there is not one answer, you know, and every person is in a position to make, you know, yeah. more or less of an impact and mm-hmm. make decisions. But you know, I think the main thing is just being conscious of your, of every, everything that you do, you know, so if you're going to buy, um, when you buy your um, electricity, you know, where do you buy it from? Is it renewable energy? Is it fossil fuels? Mm-hmm. Um, when you get your food, just thinking, okay, where has this food come from? Um, is it organic? Um, is it in plastic? You know, and it may be that you have a choice between organic food in plastic or non-organic food without plastic that's local and it's about thinking okay for me in this situation which is the most possible situation and what's going to create the best impact or reduce the the most negative impact Mm -hmm. you know so and this is what led me to making these changes myself because I thought okay these are things that I think um have the most the biggest negative effects of what I'm doing so that's why I've tried to, to do that but I think it's it's really about bringing this thought process into all um into all situations you know yeah. into into everything you do and just thinking okay even even something so simple as recycling you know just thinking okay if I put this can um into a normal bin you know that it will only end up in the landfill or yeah. <laughs> in on the ground or polluting something or injuring yeah. an animal if you recycle it you can't be 100% sure what's going to happen to it but you're giving this can a chance to have you know kind of another life i suppose you know you're cre- you're giving it the chance to have, to have additional value mm-hmm. so it's just thinking about consciously about everything that you're doing and thinking okay what is i suppose the ethical decision to make and it's difficult for you know it, it's very difficult but i think just yeah just just being conscious about what we're doing um, yeah. and just thinking you know sometimes it might be not possible and it might just be like okay this one time i have to I have to take a flight or I have to do this or whatever, you know, depending on your situation, but yeah. um, just being aware of that and just being aware, okay, I'm taking, I'm making this decision. This is the outcome. This is what I'm contributing to, whether it being positive or negative. Yeah. Very interesting thoughts that you're sharing over here, because I mean, it brings to mind um, a community that I'm part of um, industrial app cycling. And this community mm-hmm. is just um, trying to um, educate people on the fact that, um, a wasteless world as possible. And the first thing, the first strategy is that you have to recognize that nothing can become waste unless it's wasted. And that's a very exciting thing. I think it's 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 actually boils down to the point that you're trying to make that you have to ask yourself questions. So I look at this bottle, why should I throw it away? Because I think that maybe I can do something else with it. Um, because as soon as you put it in the bin, it's already waste and the next thing, the best thing that can happen to it is recycling. I mean, the worst case is we all know what happens, right? So, and I think um, consumers also have to understand the kind of power that they have to sort of direct the industries. Because when you ask the industries, they are blaming the consumers that, yeah, we cannot stop because there is high demand. If we go sustainable, it's going to be expensive and people are not going to buy. 
But then we consumers can also show the industries that, okay, we actually want the sustainable ones. So we go to the shelves and then we take the ones that we have researched and know that these ones are good for us and these ones are using more sustainable you know, processes. And so that's what we're going to purchase, right? The industries and the shops are going to know that, okay, these people are not purchasing them anymore. And so, yeah. And so they are going to change their ways. And it boils down to one thing that you mentioned very, very early at this conversation is like, you know, dealing with local, you know, stuff. And I think that's very important. We have been so used to, you know, buying things from the big shops and we don't go to local markets anymore. How do you even communicate with, imagine buying your food from the farmers who actually grew it and matured it and made it grow and harvested the crops. And they can tell you all the story, but you appreciate them more and you're not going to waste food. And I think these are very exciting things that you're mentioning. And I'm so, so, so looking out forward to this initiative that you're coming up together with your co-founder, because I just can't wait to see the, all the innovations that are happening across the globe and how it's going to be applicable in different people's lives. Thank you so much, Ella, for joining me today on the podcast. And I would like to add, um, ask one final question, even as we let you go to um, enjoy, enjoy your day. I'm sure this is a very obvious question, but it's very, very important to me. What is sustainability? What does it mean to you? And what are you doing towards that? I think sustainability for me is about, um, I mean, it's about everything, you know, it's not about doing one thing. It's about, um, I suppose, as I've been talking about, you know, it's about thinking about people. It's about thinking about society. It's about thinking about how to live in harmony with other people, but it's, and it's about the environment, you know, and this is not in terms of kind of recycling or just saying, okay, we're sustainable because we buy, um, you know, recycled paper. It's thinking, it's about all everything, you know. So it's a in a company, for example, it's about your internal processes, your outer external process, how you how you work with your employees, with your customers. It's about everything. Um, and you know, I'm very much about the, I suppose, the three pillars of sustainable development, or whether they're three pillars or whether they're um, you know, circles within each other, because I think it's all about it's about the environment primarily because obviously we can't have a society and we can't have businesses if there's no planet so the planet is kind of the um I suppose the, the main thing but then it's the society um you know and looking at okay how how can we thrive within the means of this planet um and then it's the economics because at the end of the day we, what's the point of business is if, if we've got no society and we've got no planet so I think it's you know, they're all very, very related and we need all of them, but in different, um, I suppose, different priorities. Um, yeah, I mentioned before about, about being conscious about it. So just, you know, if you're thinking in a position when you're thinking, okay, this is going to help um, my economical situation, but it's going to, you know, have a negative effect on society or on environment, then no, you know, because really you're kind of, um, what's it, spraying, you're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face or something like this, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, your, your company can't work if there's no society exactly. and if there's no planet. So I suppose, you know, you know this, this, is what, this is what I do. It's, it's kind of who I am. Everything that I'm doing is trying, is trying to, to contribute to this in some way. But I would suppose what, in terms of an actual impact that I'm creating at the moment, I hope it's trying to influence people, um, you know, so trying to encourage people to 
to do this um, by talking a lot about it, by showing that actually we can make these changes and still have a lovely life. <laughs> you know, of course, I'm very, very privileged. Um, you know, but if, if people that are in my position and that they know actually we can make these changes, um, they can do it. Oh, gosh, what, what an insightful conversation. Thank you so much, Ella. Should Marvel <laughs> movies give you a call <laughs> right now and ask you that you have the chance to choose one superpower to change human behavior towards the environment? What one thing are you going to change? Oh, wow, what a question. Um, so there's lots. Um, there is a lot of things. Um, I have to choose one. I would say um, my superpower would be, and I don't even know how to really explain this, but I suppose it would be making people have an, um, having an emotional connection to oh. their environment, Isn't to it? nature. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it would have a backlash because then people would be like, oh no, you know, and I Everyone don't want will be you crying. to, yeah. I, and I, so, so, you know, this, so I suppose having people just having a connection with nature, you know, um, and just, I think maybe if they had that, then people might really have an emotional connection to making changes because they see that there's no other option. You know, so um, I would say that, but without any kind of negative side effects that comes, that might, you know, lead on to, you know, a lot of mental health problems. So that without the mental health problems. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I love it. It's, it's really exciting. And I really hope that you get that superpower because it's really, really, really important. Thank you so much, Ella, for coming on the podcast. I've had a very exciting conversation with you. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey there. Thank you so much for sticking to the end of this episode. Now there is a call to action. So why don't you engage with our community of green charters on our social media platforms? Find more details and links in the show notes. Get involved with the podcast by emailing us at glcpodcast at echoamidsolutions.com or DM by our social media platforms. We cannot do the same things expecting different results. The agency of climate change demands actions now and not in 2050. So dear Green Chatters, see you on the next episode and remember, live green. <laughs>